Welcome to the Golf Social Podcast, where I, Toby Lodi, and Michael Tilcock share the stories of people who love golf so that we can inspire more people to play the game that we love, for better or worse. Please give us a follow on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at Golf Social TV. We hope you enjoy. Tilcock, do you want to hear a little song that I've seen on, uh, on TikTok recently? Absolutely. Europe's on fire. United States is terrified. Europe's on fire. I thought Shane Lowry's rendition of that on the bus was absolutely out of this fucking world. Like actually watching Rory McIlroy be a like a teenager on a school trip in the middle of the aisle of the team bus singing that song and the whole a bunch of like prof- like professional golfers in their 30s and 40s going mental on a team bus in Rome having just destroyed the Americans I thought was the be- one of the best bits of content of the year <laughs> I was massively into that but talk to me about why Irish people are always more fun than any other European people I because I think they're certainly compared to the English who are just have no sort of stick up the bottom correct far too concerned with I don't know like dignity and all that crap (laughs) they're far more reserved although to be fair Tommy Tommy Fleetwood's got like he's got crack but like Tyrrell I actually thought Tyrrell was quite uptight I thought he would have had a right bit of like banter and a bit of like don't care take the shirt off run around go mental and he's absolutely not he's quite quite quiet yeah. yeah Which I found really surprising because then he chanters away to himself all the time. And obviously, Rosie's never going to do it. Well, again, Rosie has passion, but he's never going to be up bouncing Rosie's around, like your dad, isn't he? Yeah. Like, no one wants to see him dancing. No one wants he's to see that, him singing. He's like the dad of the team. He, proper. I, th- I bet he must have felt really out of generation. Like, he must have felt mm. like he was just being brought along. Do you think it's his last Ryder Cup? I think it is. Well, he... Did he get picked or did he qualify? Got picked. I mean, it might be his last Ryder Cup, but he deserved to be picked this year. He's played really well this year. Um, And he played brilliantly in the Ryder Cup itself as well. He holds so many crucial putts. Yeah, he was, he was, he he did everything you wanted from a experienced Ryder Cup pick, right? Like he, he kept um, McIntyre from completely imploding and then, (laughs) And then hold loads of really great parts. I I just don't I don't see why you take him to Beth Page, personally. Like I think, yeah, doesn't make sense He'll, to me. He might he may well have to qualify. Yeah, to get yeah. there. And and I think he'd be so much better as like an assistant going into like the assistant captain pool now because then he could even do a dare manner in four years time. Right, that could be his vibe. So yeah, I I think. I could see them getting Donald to repeat. Since I want them to. Since they've lost so many potential captains with Liv, Westwood, Poulter, Stenson, K- Casey? Did, yep. Has he gone to Liv? Yeah, yep. Casey. Um, That's a whole yeah. generation of They're actually of a bit short of captains, weirdly, at the moment. I, I think one of the biggest, like, if if Europe want to try and differentiate or, or come up with a better process than the US, right? Because we haven't won an away Ryder Cup since Medina. 
I, I think the idea of keeping a, retaining a captain for two Ryder Cups to do a home and away is is the way to differentiate because I like that makes so much more sense to me. It's like I, I always wanted I wanted Padre to do this one because I just thought it would be better. It's actually better for them to do a home one win and then go away and try and do the yeah, same yeah, stuff. Yeah. You got nothing but, to lose. Yeah, I, I just think that's a better better way of running the team. So I read this article on Golf Digest today, which was basically saying the Ryder Cup is boring because mm. the home team basically always wins. Mm-hmm. And I just that's rubbish. Firstly, it was it wasn't boring. Nope. And secondly, the home team doesn't always win. Like it's only in recent years that the the US has started winning a couple at Whistling Straits and Valhalla. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where that article came out of, but I thought it was thr- it's thrilling even when you thrash them. What is rubbish? He must have been American because it's really rubbish when you're you're definitely going to lose. It? I don't know. Some oh. randomer. I don't, I don't know if it was Luke um, Kierdean or whatever, Kierdean, who is English, but he writes for them a lot. Um, no, I think uh, Friday, right, when we they didn't win a single match, was some of the best sport I've ever watched ever. I watched every single shot and I was gripped. It was phenomenal to watch European players playing golf at that standard and loving every second of it. Like that was so involving. And then kind of watching America sort of think they might be able to fight back on Saturday was, was equally sort of captivating. But I, yeah, I, I, I loved the the victory in Paris I went to, I was there in person to see that and it was brilliant and we dominated they they won the first session there and they were 3-1 up in Paris so so yeah it's been it's been very much home team wins for the last at least four or five yeah when Europe, um, Europe have won for the last 30 years well home. I mean at home yeah but it went it went Medina in 2012 I think it was Glen Eagles um Hazeltine Paris, Whistling Straits, and then here. And it's been the home team ever since Medina, basically. And like I don't yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I don't find it boring. Whistling Straits got boring because there was just no way of winning it on the final day. And and Europe did Europe win. Where where I think the coverage has gone a bit weird is everyone wants to say the home team win it all the time. And actually I think what happened was the generation of Americans that turned up in Whistling Straits were were ahead of the generation that we were in a big transition year when we went to Whistling Straits. So I think Beth Page is going to be a proper Ryder Cup because we've now got a proper young generation of talent who play in America, or proper core of talent who play in America, and some really young guns who can hit it as far as they do. And I think we can go and actually challenge them. We didn't have a good team for Whistling Straits. It was a shit team. Mm-hmm. Bunch of rookies, bunch of old players who can't play big courses. Like it... There was no way of us ever being able to compete there, and that just was bad timing. But do you know what is actually a lesson learned from last time around is how much a te- how different a team can look in just two years. Yes, like both teams, like that that American team, you thought, wow, that's invincible, that's going to win the next ten Ryder Cups, and then suddenly they come into this Ryder Cup, lives a factor, but. Actually, mainly it's just a loss of form for guys like Morikawa, Justin Thomas, Spieth was awful. Yep. Like even even like Cantlay's not quite had the season, not as good as he was in yeah. that spell. Um, 
and then on the opposite side, you've had the emergence of McElroy and Rahm as like part of that top three in the world mm. with Scheffler. Mm. You've Hovland, Hovland's probably the Hovland. next in line. Oh my god, um, Hovland! I'm just—I know I said this in one of our WhatsApp groups, but honest to God, I could I could genuinely marry that guy. Like he was his like oh, he chipped off. like chipped in on the first green of a Ryder Cup in foursomes. It's just like, like what? And they, and to beat Scotty Scheffler when and he Brooks, could have putted it as well. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was like a real message oh. to his haters. Yeah. The boy who have now been shut up. I, I don't want to, I don't want to have too much expectation of him, but I, I want him to win a major next year. Like I just want, oh, two, like I want him to have that big kind of ride this wave have yeah, a Spiethian, you know, 2015 Spieth vibe and just go and smash some majors because he's so fucking good. You, you've got to do it while you're hot, haven't you? Otherwise yeah. you can suddenly never do it. But interesting background reading for anyone who's been enjoying the rise of Hovland is to follow Joseph Mayo on Instagram. He's his coach. I think, I don't know if it's just short game or if it's everything, but he... It's really interesting at the moment in short game coaching because you've got Dan Grieve emerging as this short coach legend. Mm. He's very much from the school of when you chip, you've got to use the bounce and you have these different releases and you dig into different amounts, basically, depending on the different releases. Whereas Joseph Mayo is all about actually very track man based approach. You've got to have quite a steep angle of attack. All right. um, Leading edge leading edge x number of x number of degrees of loss loft talking about dynamic loft and hovland if you watch him chip he actually comes into the ball very steep more often than not so interesting like evolution of the coaching space there mm. and that's you can definitely see same with scheffler right scheffler is a i think i think scheffler is more capable of using bounce than hovland currently is but but when scheffler hits those shots particularly on the courses that Americans play, the Bermuda grass and all that stuff. It's, it's divots, right? It's, yeah, yeah. It's a, he's a digger. He's a 30 yard or to, or a 10 yard chip is, is divot. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you have to have that speed and that confidence. And, and those guys are so, uh, for me, Greaves works so much more for the amateur for us because mm. we need to, we don't it's have the speed or the confidence. Correct. Whereas those boys have got the coordination to be able to, to learn and do that stuff. But, my God. Anyway, not, not to digress too much into that. The, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I get why people would say the overall, I suppose, arc of the Ryder Cup is not particularly interesting because it's just you, you, they keep passing it back and forth to each other. But the, the quality of the golf for those three days is, is some of the best of the whole year. And we've had some incredible golf played in all the majors and other got and other championships but that was some of the best golf i've ever seen in my life so i would agree i really enjoyed watching it it's the most i've watched a Ryder cup in in recent years now who were your stars and villains from each team like so, who whose reputation went up and whose reputation went down on the back of this so for do you know what i for me hovland has gone up even from a high base that he was on yeah I'll try not to say everybody, but I'll, I'll pick for me Hovland, also McElroy. Like I, I knew from McElroy being upset at Whistling Straits that that wasn't just fake, right? That wasn't that was totally authentic. Same when he lost to Justin Thomas on the on the last hole in Paris. Like he actually does feel for it, and you sort of sometimes look at Rory and you 
I, don't, I never quite know if he's fully authentic. But watching him celebrate putts, watching him celebrate Matt Fitzpatrick going ballistic, like he, the boy loves this competition. And I, that actually made me feel more like Rory McIlroy is a proper human being. And, I, and that's great because when you have that in sport, then you're just captivated to watch everything that they do. So those two, I'll pick, there's so many more I could say, but those two from the European side and then from the American side, like Max Homer, uh, he's done this in the President's Cup last last time out and he's done it now in a Ryder Cup like the boy is I still don't know if you can win a major championship because it's not the same test but my god is he going to keep earning Ryder Cup points <laughs> if if I was going to Beth Page in two years time and I was drawn in any match format with Homer I would be shitting bricks like he is so good at match play so good I I don't know if he went up as I think he was slightly overhyped in this Ryder Cup. Like I'll I'll hand it to him. On the eighteenth, he had a six foot putt with a bit of break on to not lose the Ryder Cup on that green. Yeah. And he held that and that was impressive. And he said, mm. you know, could you see my legs shaking to his caddy afterwards? <laughs> so that was impressive. But in the holes preceding that, he missed two putts within eight feet and he on six 16 is it the drivable par four yeah he blew after Fitzpatrick's already hit his drive in the water and then Helmer hits his drive in the water and I was like mm. oh okay actually Fitzpatrick wasn't that great in on the back nine in the singles yeah but uh, but I do think um his ball striking so he he holds some really great putts on the Saturday and then I think on the Friday as well but his his ball striking is so strong that when you when you think about someone who can go five sessions for the Americans for the next two Ryder Cups, let's say, because I think it's too hard to kind of project any further than that, then I think Homer's going to be able to do it. And I think he's a proper threat. Whereas you think about some of the other boys in that team, like the like Shoffley. Look, so my villain, if there is such a thing, I'm not going to pick Cantlay because I think Cantlay's basically becoming he who... Played great who he always was and I love that for golf so I don't I, I don't want to villainize him like I want Pat Cantley to do more of that because I think that's his essence and I think that's great mm-hmm. I think Shoffley and I've said this all through the season he is the meltiest melt who's ever melted <laughs> and it is horrific like it's awful and and I he, he just what, doesn't under pressure yeah all, all he cares about right is making money like he he plays <laughs> He plays golf. He plays golf because it makes him millions and millions and millions of dollars. And that's that's cool. But the boy has no stomach, no heart, no fucking anything. Because it the minute he's put under the tiniest amount of pressure in the Ryder Cup, he shits the bed. When he's when he's like out there in a four ball where Patrick Cantley's making birdies, like he gallops away, right? He's he's absolutely fine. He just off he goes, I'm Shoffley, I can make he can shoot sixties and sixty twos, right? But when he's put under any kind of pressure, he is so melty. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. A slightly harsh assessment. I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, go on. Who's yours? Well, I think Hero for me, I mean, you, you're right in calling out Hovland and McCoy, but John Rahm for me was like, he took it to a new level of, of chip ins and eagles mm-hmm. and shots under like extreme pressure. Because in the singles, we really, he was one down going down. 18 he yeah. he really needed to get a half because you were looking down that board thinking where are we going to get 
How are we going to get points, to 14 yeah. and a half here? Uh, and he just makes a... He had a six, Firstly, it's a great drive. It's a great shot onto the green from like 260. And then he's got like a 60-foot putt for eagle. And he knocks it to like two inches under that pressure. Mm-hmm. This he is, he is Hollywood. He's got to win seven, eight majors plus <laughs> to, <laughs> to like have a decent career for his ability yeah. and bottle. I do think he is, yeah, he's box office. Like the, the putt he hold on Friday uh, to to half that match. And and again, it was going like, it was going 10 foot past, right? But <laughs> but, but who cares? Because he, he just, he, yeah, he, he just has that, he has the proper X factor. Like the, and there are only a couple of guys in the game who have it and he's one of them. And it's it's so cool to watch him do it in the Ryder Cup. And and to care about it like that's for me that's the difference between him and the entirety of the rest of the U.S. team, right? They don't. What I felt this particular Ryder Cup is they don't give a fuck about the Ryder Cup. Like they they care about that's losing, what it looked like. right? They care about in the moment I'm getting embarrassed. So Scotty crying because he got beaten nine seven, right? They they've got egos, so they care about it, but they don't. For me, watching them, they didn't give a toss about the Ryder Cup. Like Ram, I I think cares they about didn't. It. They didn't care about it when they were away from home. Yeah. Yeah. Like they seem to care about it when they were at home and they've got their fans behind them, but they literally just really went into their shells with like 50,000 Europeans yeah. singing probably on fire. Yeah, totally. And I, and I, but I think when the Europeans travel, like they do want to go there and win. Like they, they are upset when they don't like they, yeah. they genuinely put all the emotional heft into trying to win and, I, it doesn't feel like America, the US does that at all. And so they just come yeah. over as these cold machines. I think a lot of criticism's got to go to Zach Johnson for being the least inspirational Ryder Cup yeah. captain in history. But a nice guy, so none of the players want to slag him off. But yeah, rubbish yeah. captain. Uh, but yeah. villain for me on the US team, Colin Morikawa. Mm. Jesus Christ, he was bad. Mm-hmm. His putting, he's got a serious putting problem at the moment. Yep. Like from five feet, six feet and in, he is shaky AF. And he is not looking like a two time major champion at the moment. No. And it's weird because that that now seems it was only what, two years ago? I think it was two years ago. That now seems like yeah. a long time ago. And I and again That's... I think I think he's still going to I think he's still gonna make money, right? I still think he's gonna be hanging around the PGA tour forever and ever and ever because he's he's got a nice repeatable ball striking and he'll have the weeks where he puts amazing for that week and earn some wins and that but he looks a long way from competing with with any of the big boys um but also ricky zero points he was poor it's not good not good being hidden i don't think he came out on saturday did he i think he played friday both sessions maybe and then he and then they just hit him and he was he did well to even get to 16 or wherever also, he did with Tommy. But also he conceded a two-foot downhill left to righter to give him, give Europe the Ryder Cup, which was bizarre. Yeah. I I think there's a 90% chance he didn't realise that that was to give him the Ryder Cup. Do you think? People are saying it's great sportsmanship. I genuinely don't think he'd done the calculations. No. I d- it's, not, it's not the concession which annoys me as a separate topic, but the it's not that. It's... I think Ricky had just given up. He just wanted to get on the get on the fucking plane, 
to be honest. Get on the booze. Yeah, yeah, he's like, I am done. Get me out into yeah. Rome. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in my head as I was digesting the Ryder Cup. I was like, God, could I pull together enough money to go and do a New York Ryder Cup? I'd love to go and see one away from home. Let's see how the job hunt goes for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> how cool would that be, though, right? New York fans going, being <laughs> horrific. I'd love to yeah. get into some like chanting matches with New York fans. Scraps. That'd be some good mm. stuff. Um, anything else on the Ryder Cup for you? Um, Luke Donald's a legend. Yeah, I think that's that's about it. That's that. I would like to now go and play Marco Simone. I didn't. I wasn't bothered because I've been listening too much of the to the American press about how they hated the course. But now I've seen it on telly and the undulation and stuff. I'd love to go and play that. I think be quite different if you can't carry it to 90 i think yeah i'd be playing from the from the up tees <laughs> yeah. yeah and they need to mow that grass a bit for us choppers, indeed but. yeah it was a good it was a great Ryder cup course oh, it was brilliant like the, the the par threes were excellent the pin positions they could put them in were was they had so many random little hollows and stuff they could find i think the the um danger off the tee all around mm. a par fives, par fours, all the danger was fantastic. Fantastic. Big dagger in the heart of the um, roll back the ball debate as well. Instead of rolling back the ball, just bloody mm. grow the rough. Yes. They were just yep. chopping out. Oh, when, when people were hitting, I think there's a par five towards the end of the front nine. It's either the ninth or the eighth, I can't remember. And you had Victor and Jordan both in the rough and they both like topped it forward 50 yards i was like yes this is this is proper like you can't you shouldn't be allowed to take a hybrid out or a four iron and chop it out of rough when you've hit it that far off line it's like you should be getting a wedge out and it delivered very happy with it i reckon they'll do another one there not in not in like probably 10 years or or 12 years time i think they'll do another one because i think it's i think it's that good Excellent. Um, should we talk about the other really important win that happened since we've been off? We could do. Yeah. <laughs> Toby's on fire. Da, 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 da. Um, so I've won the Cowley Bowl, which is the biggest golfing achievement I've ever had in my life to date, ever. So for the listeners, that is, um, that is the major match play tournament at Wanstead Golf Club. Um, it is one of the, the five or so majors there are in the club and Toby has managed to etch his name on it. Um, I've also won a, a medal for my caddying abilities, <laughs> um, which is what we really want to hear about. Exactly. Um, so, so yeah, what happened, Toby? What happened? Uh, so I had to play... So I'm going to give Gary some some massive credit here. I think a lot of people uh, accused banditry of Gary's handicap when, in fact, I actually think Gary was exactly the handicap that he was supposed to be. Because, uh, But what I didn't expect, and I said this to you on the day, I didn't expect the game to be the, the way it was. So Gary is in his 70s, I think. So 68. 68. So he's... Um, He's an 18 handicap, so I'm giving him eight shots over the 36 hole um, final match, and the the boy's out driving me, like, and and that would 
he can worry hit a ball. More. He can hit a bloody ball. And that would worry most people and immediately make people say, oh, he's a bandit, his handicap's wrong, blah, blah, blah. What we quickly found out was, um, A, he, he doesn't know how to look for his ball. <laughs> Bless him. <laughs> we found that out on hole two. But, uh, but also, he his, his short game is what makes his handicap, right? So, Where it so was once on the we, day. Yeah. So once we started to see that, it became far. It became a completely different match to what I thought it was going to be. I thought I was going to be out driving him. I was going to be winning the kind of distance thing, and therefore I'd have shorter irons in all the time, all that sort of stuff, which just was not the case at all. Um, and I ended up beating him kind of around the greens and on the greens, and um, and yeah, it, I think I was four, three up after the first eighteen, um, yeah. and then to be honest, from there it was about getting through the first four or first three shot holes in the field again and i think i was two up or three up coming back out the field can't remember now and then yeah i i felt pretty comfortable all day i knew i knew it, obviously at our golf course the the crux of the whole round is always at 14 and 15 where you give another two shots to your opponent and i was four up stood on 14 i think and so he got he then won both of those, playing them fantastically. Actually, his yeah. his bloody we'll talk about some of my shots in a minute. But he his like simple par on the forty, he made fourteen look super simple, and then he hit on fifteen to what was it? I don't know, six foot. Yeah, that was a great shot. And I and I would have had to basically hold it to half that hole, um, and then and then he just ditched it in the water on sixteen because I think the the pressure got to him. He tried to hit the similar shot that he hit in the morning, and there was more wind that he didn't account for. And it hit the water. I hit my exact same shot I hit in the morning, a uh, pin height or whatever. And then that was it. Were you, were you nervous at, at that point? No. Because you still had to, although you'd hit it in the water, you still had to not hit it in the water. Yeah. Um, so it didn't really, it didn't, in a way, it didn't change much. You still had to execute a golf shot. I, I mean, it took a bit of the pressure off, obviously, but. Yeah, but I do, there, there was a. F I mean, the, the feeling I could have had going through my head was if this comes out the heel, where the wind was coming from, if I get any of the heel on this seven iron, this is in the water as well. So it had to be a, a fully committed shot. But because what's funny about doing the 36 holes is I, I knew exactly how far the shot had gone past the pin in the morning. The wind yeah. was a little bit more. So I knew I had more than enough club. So I, do you know what? I, di I really didn't feel nervous. It was, it was having a plan sticking to the plan and then hitting a great shot and I did um yeah and I, I I wasn't I think the most nervous I was was on first tee and then after that <laughs> we were just away and and running and it was it was gravy you did smoke it down the middle didn't you on the first I did I think so if that Gary, had, to be fair but. I think the one the actually probably the most nervous I was was first tee shot of round two that was a shaky oh, really? shot yeah because there's a, there was a thing of like, I didn't want to immediately give a hole back, which yeah. I ended up doing. But, <laughs> um, but then I was like, okay, cool. That's that's kind of out of my system now, right? Let's let's go and get on with business. Um, but I think the the putts I was holding, it wasn't the big ones that I was running like lagging up quite well. I don't think I hold in many kind of long putts, but it was all of the little four foot breaker ones. It was the up you and down putts. The, you hold out very well. You hold a. Mm two or three nice 10, 11, 12 footers. Yeah. 
and that's um, that that for me is all that momentum and every, and again every time i thought he was done like he hit some horrendous like short pitch shots and then he'd make these miraculous recoveries right like yeah he, he's, he's his putting was ropey wasn't it on the day i, well, his, I think he yeah. was really disappointed with how he played out was the observation from his body language yeah yeah and it, well, he he kept putting himself into the situations where he he just removed chances so the two that stick out to me was 18 on the first round and 12 of the second round. So on 18, the first round, he hit an unbelievable drive short of the bunker left on 18, like short, just short of the bunker. But then I, I remembered having absolute confidence he was going to fuck it from there. And he, he double hit it into the bunker in front of him. So I'm, yeah. I hit it to, I hit a wedge up to, I don't know what it was, eight foot or something. And I thought, oh, this is great. I'm going to go in five up, uh, um, going four up, I should say. And and then he hits a bunker shot to four or five foot and holds it. And I thought, well, fucking hell, I've now got to make a four footer to, to make yeah. sure I go in three up. Yeah. And then on 12, he was, you know, again, almost green side or like just short of the hill of, of that. And he sort of shanks it mm. into the bunker and then hits an, an unbelievable bunker shot yeah. out of that to get up and down. And holds to, his putt, yeah. Yeah, and holds his putt to half that. And I was like, what? And, well, he, Gary is an ex club champion. Mm. he's used to be on the Thornton Cup team which is basically the scratch equivalent of the scratch team like he's been a really good golfer and you can see he's talented like he's a talented mm. sportsman just by the way he strikes the ball um, but I would, I would have just thought his short game was was again I, I totally mis, misunderstood what the game was going to be I thought his short game was going to be what kept him in touch and it absolutely wasn't it was his long game um, which yeah and he God, if he if he could just get a half a decent chipping motion going, he would be back down to bloody ten again. I think. Yeah. Like, see, he cost himself so many strokes, and it was like he. I think at one point it might have been on fourteen in the first round. He was putting from like rough because he just couldn't. He knew he couldn't do anything with yeah. any other club in his hand. His head had gone a bit on the chips. Yeah, and I think um, you you mentioned this afterwards, but a, a massive kudos to you for your for your caddying in uh particularly after the giving <laughs> for giving away the first hole on round two and you just chatting man united nonsense with me <laughs> for about the next three holes um yeah. was was absolutely what was required to to keep distraction me distracting from just thinking about golf for the whole bloody time so you you earned your uh your well i didn't pay for your lunch in the end but you weren't the free lunch that you got given by the club yeah um also, I, I was I was getting a bit of abuse from the crowd for like not being able to keep up with my player because I was pushing the trolley. I just want to clarify that what was happening was because they had a buggy because Gary has a blue badge. Um, they were blocking the path every hole, so I couldn't. I you'd hit your shot and then walk straight down the hole, and I couldn't leave until they get in the buggy and drive off. So I was fifty meters behind every time. <laughs> I was like. Sprinting on like yeah, I mean, you, dead legs. You you compounded that by like sitting down at the side of some greens where I had to tend <laughs> my own flag. So it might have been coming a bit from that. But also, I was. You probably won't believe this, but in, in my head, I was like, I want to make this feel as like unserious as possible. Yeah, and like tending your own flag is like keeps it light. playing down the yeah. Keep, it's keeping it light exactly. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I was super impressed with your golf. Um, I've played a lot of golf with you, and I would say that's the 
Mate, I played one nine holes with you where you, you really striped it, tee to green. But other than that, you were really good ball striking wise, and you you hold hold out really well. Yeah. Um, you probably played to your handicap pretty much over the thirty six holes. So yeah, pretty deadly stuff. Yeah, I was, I was always wanted to be hard to beat, but I think um, I think I just drove it fucking unbelievably. To be honest. Like I'd, and I knew I knew I was going to give away. We'll talk about goals in a minute because it's about double bogeys. I knew I was going to have over the course of thirty six holes at least two to four double bogeys, um, and all I was really trying to do was time those up with his shot holes. And if yeah. I could do that, I knew I, I knew I was going to be all right. Anything? Yeah. And in the end, I think I haven't been able to work it out from my memory, but I reckon it, he gets obviously eight holes on each um, across each. 18 if you see what I mean across he gets four on each side so he obviously gets eight on each side of over the course of 36 holes and I reckon on the front eight the front sort of nine of eight opportunities I reckon I won or halved at least five or six and then conversely on on his on the other half he won seven out of eight of his points available on the shot holes so I basically was winning on one half, he was gaining it back, and then I was able to beat him on the on the difference on some of the shorter holes. Yeah, so, but it was great. In the end, what was funny is I didn't I didn't sort of feel it was kind of like the sixty eight. Is like I didn't feel it's weird. I didn't feel excited at the end. I just felt complete and utter relief. And mm. then I was sat in the bar with you afterwards, and I was just completely exhausted, knackered. completely knackered, which is sort of an odd feeling. It's also. I, I was thinking about this as well. It, you think you're going to have a putt to win. Like, that's what I thought the end of the match was going to be. Like, I would have to hold a birdie putt or something. So to to hit a ball into the middle of a green, walk up the green, still not knowing whether the guy's going to try and hit a chip shot in to make a three, and then or make a four, I should say, and then him just picking up the ball and going, yeah, cool, well done, mate. I was like, oh. <laughs> that's f- and now I'm miles away from the clubhouse. I was like, that was fucking anticlimactic. But but luckily Bertie was there to give me a bottle of Prosecco to celebrate yeah. on the 16th group. A high quality bottle of Prosecco. High, the most expensive bottle he had. So yeah, all good. Congratulations, great Thanks, achievement. Mate. We're going to get board. plenty of snowflakes up on that board, aren't we? Yeah, it's been a bit of a rout. It has been. It has been. Oh, we're also, we are, I've spoken to, so Zach and Ian, Ian Drainer of, of this podcast from earlier on in the year, won the, the uh, foursomes match play, which is, again, one of the majors. We're going to do a match play four ball, better ball. With Suffolk, Super Cup. Super Cup with the Cowley boys, me and Ollie, versus Zach and Ian of the Heverington fame. But I think a four ball, I think a four ball better ball match play is such a rare format that you get to play. I think that's the right thing to do to do the super cup, as opposed to foursomes. Yes, hmm. I think four ball uh, better ball match plays better. Yeah, that would be a really interesting game. Actually, it'd be really hard to pick a winner there. I mean, if Ollie plays like he has been doing, <laughs> you'll win. Yeah, like. <laughs> um, you saw? Did you see me and Ollie won that football but football basketball competition the other day? He just sort of his he just sort of rubs off on whoever he plays with. He's uh, so straight. He's, he, he's won like three trophies in the last four weeks, I think. Is he? Yeah, because he oh, won another football bet. He won the um, he won the Brian Egan, didn't he? So he's won the Brian Egan with Johnny. He's won that with the Cali Plate. And he's won the Cali Plate, yeah. He's had a right little 
Or a little okay. season. Just yeah, in he's time. basically a six handicapper, but he has 11 shots. <laughs> it's funny how that makes it really easy to win stuff, isn't it? <laughs> Although, to be fair, you you won that, Mickliotti. Mick, uh, I did have a good round. I did have five birdies, naughty. Um, that's where but... that's where your forty four points come from, mate. <laughs> but he he also did chip in as well, and also a lot of the holes where I had a good hole, he was also right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ah, there you go. There's all the Wanstead news for all the Wanstead boys who've already heard all this in the bar millions of times. Um, also, I've got to now do a speech. Did you know this? A presentation evening. I know oh, you hate to... that, mate. And that, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm no, I'm no good at talking public, and uh, apparently I've got to buy everybody a drink. Not sure about that. You, you will actually hate that. Well, I'm definitely not doing it. I'm sending them all to fucking <laughs> Bob Ward. Um, he's still, he's only bought me one pint so far, and he didn't even say congratulations on the. Uh, he didn't say as he handed me the pint. He didn't say congratulations on giving me loads of money. So I'm still just going to keep tapping up Bob for pints. <laughs> I've won him you about should, You should have grand. bet on yourself if you wanted to bet on yourself. Well, I d- I'm glad I didn't bet on myself now, actually, because I don't think I would have stuck around in the comp. <laughs> um, all right. Should we talk about golf goals from from 2022? How did, we, how did we do now that the golf is literally pissing down with rain outside? So now that winter golf is upon <laughs> us, how did we do from, from 2022? Uh, let's... I tell you what we should do. Let's not go back and forward because I think ours are quite tight in terms of how we can go through them. So you're going to go first. You're going to talk us through all the goals from 2022, and then you're going to tell us how you did against them. All right. My first goal. So this was last October, wasn't it? Mm. These. My first goal was to go to the driving range once a week. My second goal was to record every round of golf I played on my Strokes Gained app called My Round Pro. And my third goal was to play five more top 100 golf courses. Tidy. How did so, we do? Uh, well, Perfor- performance uh, review so time. <laughs> the thing is, um, so that first goal, driving range. Um, mm-hmm. I have not been to the driving range other than at a golf course, like before a round, yeah. since I set that goal. <laughs> So I'm approximately minus 52 driving range sessions in debt oh my based on that goal. I didn't think it was that bad. Yes. Holy shit. Really bad. That is an F. An F. That is an, that's a, a fail. That's, that's an expulsion. You haven't even... You're truant. You're playing truant from school. You've been expelled. No explanation for that one. Just... Jesus. I think because I've actually hit the ball... Over the course of the 12 months, I've hit the ball quite well. Right. I haven't felt the need to go. There's okay. definitely been dodgy patches, particularly during the Leslie Wood, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but generally, I haven't felt the need to go. Wow. Second, my round pro. Um, <laughs> record every single one of my rounds. Since <laughs> October 2022, I've recorded one, two, uh, zero. <laughs> zero rounds in my round pro. I used to do it every. If anything, setting this goal has like weirdly made me rebel against wig, the goal. You've wigged yourself out. Yeah, I used to do that every round you before did. I set it. Pretty much every round before I set the goal. Yeah. And now I haven't done a single one. So I don't know what my strokes gained are. <laughs> I know oh I'm still relatively God. shit at chipping. 
chip and runs. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, so that's that. Not doing well. Um, okay. Yeah, Can he save it? Can he save it at the bottom? <laughs> it's going to have to be a big old save. <laughs> um, f- play five more top 100 golf courses. And obviously, with what I'm doing with golflists.com, um, nice. I've been trying to play as many of, well, not just top 100, but as many new golf courses as I can. Mm-hmm. To help me with context for for setting the top one hundred on golf lists, so I have played in no particular order: West Hill, Rye, both the old and Jubilee, Royal St Ports twice on separate occasions, Belf- the Belfry Brabazon, Tandridge, Silleth on Solway, Southport and Ainsdale, Delamere Forest, Wallasey, and Sandyway. Sandy Ware. Sandy. Mm. How many? I wasn't keeping count. How many is that? Sandy Ware. That is 11. Holy moly. You over overachieved. Exactly. And we would have, we were going to play Olderberg and Perdis. Perdis, but we we had to cancel due to illness. Um, I'm also playing Felix Stowe Ferry next week in Suffolk. Uh, It's not, I don't think it's top 100 quite in. Is it Most one of the ones the that hangs lists. around? Like it it's, hangs it's at like 120 around. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. a true links course. So I'm looking forward to seeing what that's got to offer. But yeah, it's been a very good round. Uh, it's been a very good yeah, And all of those um, have either been reciprocals or mm. member guests nice. postage. Apart from Wallacey, where I played, paid a twilight rate of 110 quid. Wow. So it hasn't broken the bank either. Very good. Thank you to all my hosts. Networking, aren't you? Proper. Yeah, trying. Mate, that's good shit. So so given that you know nothing about your golf game because you don't go to the driver <laughs> range and you haven't yeah. got any stats, your putting is back. The boy's putter is hot AF at the moment. <laughs> so it's, mm. so the only thing you think you want to improve on is chip and runs. Is that right? Well, so, so my putting is not back. <laughs> Unless it's a birdie putt. Um, <laughs> because on Saturday, I shot 76, seven over. That's playing Lovely. to my handicap. I missed a four-footer on one, two, three, five, and eight on the front line. Oh, no, the putting so is not back. I had five four-footers missed. That's not 36 good. putts for the round in a in a... <laughs> Could have been a really low one, basically. I, I did have three birdies, so I hold like a few sort of decent length ones. They were, were not longer than ten feet, but um, you sound like Jordan Spieth. Yeah, yeah. The basically, I didn't do any practice putts, so I I missed one, and then I'm kind of a streaky putter. I'm like mm-hmm. a confidence putter. Definitely. If I see one go in, I get a sort of taste for it. <laughs> Um, and then more, more can follow. As you know, I get probably more birdies than the average seven handicapper. But you definitely yeah. do. You definitely do. Oh, we need to. It's short, short game. My long to, game is is good. Solid. We need to sort out. We need to sort out your mental game. We can't have this sort of inner chat being that if you don't hold the first four footer, <laughs> then you can't recover. We can't have that sort of chat. I'm not. I'm not having it. I'm not having it. We, we'll go and do some putting. Putting work with you. I'll sort you out. Good. Um. Nice. We're going to do our goals for uh, next year in a in a later pod. So let me let me rattle through mine. So I basically have one that was around stats, 
and then a couple of other broader golfy things. So my stats one was I wanted to break 75, no double bogeys in one round this year, and no three putts in a round. And then I also wanted to improve my approach play by actually using shot scope and measuring my clubs and, and how they performed. I wanted to play in an open comp and I also wanted to play in the Leslie Wood team, which meant I needed to get down to seven handicap. So I managed to achieve goals, my, my statty goal and my Leslie Wood goal about a week after setting <laughs> these goals <laughs> because I shot 68 uh, from famously from the pod last year, which got my handicap down to six and a half. Uh, which I've been steadily increasing. Although I'm, I'm on, a, I'm on a downward trend again now. But um, I then obviously came all the way back up to nine, which actually all the way back to ten at one point, which we didn't like. Um, so I'm having to basically. I, I think I'm going to be in the Leslie Wood team again this year, purely based on the fact that I think most of the people know how I play. So I, I'll, and I think I'm a better match play player now than I was when I played Leslie Wood. So, so I don't think that should be an issue. But. I broke 75 a couple of times. I did actually, I realized I had one in the middle of the season. There's a 74 that I did on a, of an evening with a couple of the unreliables. So I've done that a couple of times. Um, no three putts in a round, I think is potentially once or twice. Um, actually, I didn't three putt a lot in Scotland. So I think I might've got away with a couple there as well. So I'm, that's good. I'm not, I'm not worried about my putting as I, as I was at the beginning of the season. Double bogeys are a, enormous problem i did not complete in all the rounds of golf i've played this year which must be a hundred i have not completed a round without a double bogey in it that is not good and that's like nine hole including nine holers that i go and pootle around with like i i will all in the same way that you always have a birdie i seem to always <laughs> have a double bogey um so yeah not so i achieved a couple of really good things achieved three out of four on that which is which i'm very happy with but i don't know how to remove double bogeys from my play well there's there's, there's generally two i'd say three ways you get double bogeys one you lose a drive and this is not you this is anyone one you lose a drive um and then you power it with your next ball um one you miss the green um chip and then three putt yep which is that hurts and the other is you hit near the these this is the worst one when you hit approach and you're like near the green and then you duff a chip or you leave one in a bunker and then you don't get up and down and that's yeah. a, that feels like such a feels like that shouldn't be a double there, bogey <clears throat> there is the there is the dreaded fourth option which is you shank it into some trees <laughs> Uh, which I did when I was playing up at uh, Little Aston and trying to beat one of the guys from West Essex who we played in the Leslie Wood, where I had a, I was winning this par five. I just had a little 50, I actually could have just hit 50 degree, chop it onto the green two putt and win the hole. I went for a really hard 54, shanked it straight into some trees, double bogey, lost the hole. So there's, there are a myriad of ways I'm finding to, oh, similar thing. If you've got water on an approach shot on a golf course and it's, you know, yeah. ditching it in there, not getting up and down to double. Um, I'm, I think it's it's far more of there is the occasional three part after not you know after chipping on or whatever, but I'm not so worried about those. It's it's the other ones. It's the losing a ball off the tee, and it's the um, 
doing something horrific with an approach shot, bringing in a hazard area or something and, and losing a ball and losing shots that way. Those are the ones that I didn't have last season that I now have, which surprises yeah. me. Like when you, cause generally I would say you're quite good off the tee. Mm. Um, when you have a bad round, you tend to hit pull, you start pulling it. It's yeah. like you've overdone something and you, it might be a timing thing and then you start pulling it. Yeah, and then obviously, if you hit if you hit the pool, you're gonna start. You'll hit the odd slice as well, and and lose it right. Um, yeah. But but the big the biggest thing from that is exactly it. it's a le- it's a left miss that would kill me. It would kill me on two. It would kill me on three. And and to be honest with you, at the moment, it's killing me on four because I keep thinking I need to try and hit a draw around those trees. When actually, mm. if I just stood up and hit a nice big high fade, even if it hit the proper trees further down on the right hand side, that's fine. At least it's I'm in fucking fine. play. Yeah. But at the minute, I'm I'm absolutely getting my head in total scramble over that tee shot, and I'm just pulling it straight into the trees in front of me. Like, what is that? It's just poor, poor decision making. That's the bigger thing for me. So, anyway, I won't I won't go through all the double bogeys I've ever had, but I think it comes down to poor choices and then poor process. So, uh, working on that for next year. Shot scope. Um, I fucking hate it. So <laughs> that that lasted about. I don't know, a couple of months. And then it it completely messed with all of my pre-shot routine, having to bip it on the thing. I got the one that's like the external little cube thing that sits on your on your belt. Absolutely ruined golf for me. Like I, I kept only thinking about stroke, only thinking about score, having to remember to bip the thing when I'm on the green. Absolutely hated the product. I've still got all the tags in the top of my clubs and I've got no dongle it's a, anymore. It's a, rubbish, it's a rubbish product, isn't it? Like, it's awful. It's a, it's a rubbish method of recording your shots. Yes. Yeah. I totally agree. One thing you did great in the Cowley was your pre-shot routine because you've added a waggle that I don't think I'd seen before. Yeah. You're like rehearsing your backswing as like a waggle. Um, and you did that on every single tee shot. At least I wasn't watching the approach shots, but every single tee yeah. shot you did that consistently. And I bet if you timed it, you would have been hit, taking the same time over all those tee shots. But yeah. yeah, if you get something that just gets your thinking of, when actually we're trying to play fast, right? Mm-hmm. We're trying to just get things done, but also take the time to read the part and stuff. You don't need another thing in your head. No, and and. It- I I, th- I think maybe one of the other products, I don't know if it's Arcos, one of the other ones is I think is a bit more passive because I think it detects. You can just think about your shot. It has a, near, a much nearer field thing that when you pull your club out of the bag and off you go to the ball, it knows what's going on. So you don't have to have an actual like click stage. So if that does do it, then that's kind of cool. But equally, what I've also realized is I don't give a shit about the data. Like I, I know... I'm, if I'm not striking the ball correctly. And I know the biggest return on investment of time is to go spray some foot spray, because I've read John Sherman now, and the foundations of golf, spray some foot spray on the on my clubs and go and work on impact. Like That's the only thing that matters to me. It's impact on long clubs and irons. It's chipping on the green and it's practicing putting. Like If I do those four things on a semi-regular basis, I can easily be a single-figure handicap, keep it down at six and a half. If I start trying to think about shots gained in any other capacity, for me, it's just it's bonkers. I don't get any, I don't get any satisfaction from that at all. It ruins golf for me completely. So I, I think I agree with 
not like having things invasive in your game, but when mm. I did it on the app where you literally just plot your round after the round, yeah. so it obviously doesn't interfere. Um, I did that for maybe 10 or 15 rounds and it gave me basic um, benchmarks compared to a scratch golfer. I was a good driver of the ball. Yeah. I was an okay um, chipper and where I was losing the shots that made me a six handicap were basically putting and approach play. Yeah. Correct. So that was use, useful because it gave me confidence in my driving mm. to know that, oh, actually, okay, some of them are offline, but they're far enough that I'm actually gaining shots there. But what I really need to work on is my approach play and putting. And I have worked on my approach play a lot, and it's a lot better. Yeah. Um, but it, it's no good if it messes you up in the round. No. I think it's got to be but something. E- but equally, I, I feel that I know my approach play needs to be better because I knew I genuinely wasn't hitting greens. So... So I knew that was the thing I had to work on. I know I can hit the ball far enough to be a five handicap, but that's that's absolutely fine. I just, I, I my approach play was apps, especially on our golf course, right, where you've got three tough par threes. Like the only thing that matters really is iron play. And again, John, I, I loved listening to John Sherman talk about this, right? If you're if you're a great iron player, you can be a low handicap. Mm. Like that is that is it. You can you can find ways to mess about with everything else, but if you can't hit irons well you will never be a single-figure handicap. Impossible. Yeah. Impossible. Um, so that's that. And then uh, playing an open competition, went and made the quarterfinals of Brora. Brora Open and got myself a very tasty bit of whiskey. <laughs> so all in all, that's useful because all in all, that has been a phenomenal year of golf, I think. I would give, I'd give myself an A for that year of golf what would you what would you grade yourself definitely i've moved away from thinking about get, getting better at golf mm-hmm. um my i've actually i'd say as a golfer my focus has shifted more towards like playing golf for fun and mm. playing new golf courses and enjoying that process yeah i'm not really thinking about getting better as much because i know to get better than seven there's a lot of work and then if you Mm. do get you've then got to maintain it you know if Mm. you get to three or four it's a bloody nightmare yep like in terms of if you're slightly off you're going to get 27 points sort of thing so i think yes i've enjoyed golf but my focus has definitely shifted that's good and i think it hasn't it hasn't made you worse at golf. That's the no. benefit for you. Like it's, you've netted out a really lovely, decent handicap, decent quality of golf, and you, you're still in the hunt to win things. So what more, could, what more could you possibly ask for from a hobby? You couldn't ask for anything else, could you? No, I've enjoyed also, my golf this year. And also, uh, Kishan is retiring from <laughs> amateur golf. So the Scratch Cup next year is actually a competition. Yeah. Hooray! I'm not I don't yeah, think yeah. I'll I will enter. I was about to say I don't think I'll enter the Cowley next year. I'll just enter the scratch. I'm gonna enter both, obviously. But I'd rather So I I had my best two rounds of the year. Sorry, no. One was the Cowley play actually. Against Barry mm-hmm. Batley, I had an unbelievable round. He must have thought <laughs> he didn't know what's hit him. <laughs> I played so well against him. But it, I also played great in the scratch cup, probably shot about seventy five, should have been better. Yeah. 
and and I played Mark Smith, and oh, he just yeah. he played really well and beat me after two extra holes. So if I play like that in the scratch next year, I'll beat most people playing like that. Good man, good. Any other reflections from? You didn't give yourself an actual grade. You kind of copped out on the answer. Um, probably like a B minus. Lovely room room to improve. Don't know what yet. We're going to figure out some goals and we'll come back on another another pod Go to and do the that. Driving range. Go to yeah. You're not. Do you know what? You're not allowed because you didn't even attempt those goals. You're not allowed a driving range goal and you're not allowed a data goal. You're going to have to come up with something. You're not allowed to run those back because I won't believe you. Uh, excellent. Well, that is a wonderful chat, mate. What a season! And now we get the. Are you in the winter league? I will be. Who, I haven't heard anything about it. Though. Who's t- you in the team yet? No. No, I probably need to. Because I was in with Bunt last year, but he actually he messaged me, so maybe I need to message him slash get another team if that's all. <laughs> well, I'm sure like Simpson and all that are going to be. It was that group, wasn't it? weren't we in the same team? Mm. I think we were. Oh yeah, yeah, possibly. Um, I'm in the unreliables this year. They they sign me up early. They they know value when they see it. I was I was not good. I was not good value this time last year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Well, thank you for everyone who's made it this far to listening to us warble on. Um, enjoy your golf out there, guys, in winter. And we will, um, we'll speak to you next time. Cheers. Peace out.